On this episode of the Paltrowcast, we're breaking format a bit. Last month, I had the pleasure of attending Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Part 2, also known as the second Chris Jericho Cruise. Chris Jericho is not only a world-famous professional wrestler, but he's also the lead singer of the band Fozzie, the host of the Talk is Jericho podcast, the author of multiple best-selling books, an actor, and so forth. The Rock and Wrestling Rager is produced with specialty cruise company Sixth Man is essentially bringing together over 2,000 cruisers from around the world for a mix of events related to wrestling, music, comedy, and other forms of entertainment. While I was on board, I had the pleasure of not only writing some articles about the cruise, but also interviewing some of the talent on board. First up is my interview with legendary journalist Dave Meltzer. While speaking with Dave after a taping of Wrestling Observer Live, his co-host Brian Alvarez entered the room and we got him in on the chat. Not only did we talk about the cruise, but I learned how Dave and Brian first met and what life is really like as a wrestling journalist and also MMA journalists. Sort of a rare look behind the curtain with two busy and successful content creators. I'm here with the legendary Dave Meltzer on the Jericho Cruise. Dave, is this your first cruise of any sort? The first cruise of my life, yes. Yeah, I'm having a wonderful time. It's fantastic here. Everyone knows who you are on this cruise, for better or for worse. What is it in your life that you kind of realize that people knew who you were, not just the guy who did the newsletter? That's like a gradual thing. Um, in the last couple of years, I think when I had... You know, I don't know. Like when I bought my cell phone, and then the guy freaked out that sold it to me. I thought that was like it's that that was a kind of a weird random thing. Or when I would go when I went to the airport once, and the guy who you know signs those things, yeah. and he like freaked out. You're not the wrestling Dave Meltzer. So I thought, I don't know if that's it, but those are the ones where you know out of nowhere. If it's on here, I it's like it's this wrestling fans. But when it's in real life, it's kind of kind of surprising. But it's it's happened it happened more and more in the last. You know, I think it's a combination of YouTube and um, the Young Bucks. I actually got it more when um, the Young Bucks were like growing the thing and they were like using my name a lot more. So in that period, it was actually like because because I remember going to Hot Topic and everybody freaked out over seeing me there. Right. You know, your Uncle Dave. So it, a lot of it was the Uncle Dave stuff. Well, when exactly did this become a career as opposed to just doing the newsletter for fun on the side? Because didn't you start off as a traditional sports yes. journalist? Yeah, so I tried to make it a career in 87, and I would say in 80, by 88 it was a solid career. The first year it was, um, everybody thought I made the most foolish choice because I, <laughs> I couldn't do both ever, you know, anymore. I was killing myself doing the full-time sports writing and the wrestling. And so and I was making more money with the sports writing than the wrestling, but I was just like... I'm gonna go for it for the wrestling, and I did. And '88 was a good. I did well, and by '89 it was, you know, whatever. You know, so it was, it's worked. So it's yeah, you know, '88 is 30, 32 years ago. So it's it's been tremendous. Now I'm not gonna say that what you do for a living is a fun job. A lot of people are gonna say that, but not realize that when you work in an entertainment kind of field, that the line gets blurred between your work and your fun, and therefore it becomes a confusing kind of mess. What is like? life for you outside of wrestling journalism? I don't have a life outside of wrestling and MMA. I mean, that's the whole life other than my kids, you know? So it'd be hanging out with my kids. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. With you right now, right here, you know, obviously it's a, you do the podcast in front of the crowd. Um, in general, people are psyched to meet you. When you get home, is it gonna be like a big transition kind of thing in that you're not gonna be in front of crowds, you're back behind the computer? 
like that. It's not bother me at all. It's going to be hard though because I have a week's worth of news to catch up on because I'm out here and I'm actually, to an extent, a- attempting to keep myself out of touch um, because I never do that. Right. So this is kind of like my vacation, even though it's a working vacation. So um, um, it's not no. It, I, I, when I'm ready, when I go back, I'll be ready to go back. You know, it's like that's one of the reasons why I'm keeping myself away from the news this week because it's like I I, I want to be completely ready because I know my next week, you know, from Saturday until next Thursday is going to be very very tough until I get back to the normal schedule. So with doing those kinds of Q and A's, do you find that the questions are the same questions that you get answered no. over and over and over again? Oh no, no, you're well. I'd love to interview you too, sit, man. Sit here, okay. sit here, sit here, sit here. Sleep right in. I didn't know you were recording. No problem. Sorry. No problem. Brian has joined us, and this is an honor and a privilege right here. Cruise is going great for you as well. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And is this your first cruise as well? Of my life, yes. Is that I've on been purpose? On ferries. Like I've been with, on like ferries too. Went to my wedding, but this is the first cruise ship, the first real boat. That's right. I've been on. That's right. That's right. The when when I, the last the last one was I took a ferry boat to his wedding. Until, yeah, yeah, yeah. In Washington State. Yes. yes. How did you two meet in the first place, by the way? I don't know if that's ever been established. Well, we didn't meet till, actually meet until two thousand one, and yes. um, you called me up on the phone one day. Right. No, no, no. You I, faxed me. I faxed you. You faxed me, actually. I, I, faxed he me. had a spot on his uh, 900 line, and my 900 line had just gone out of business. And so I, I faxed him, and I said, you need someone new on option four? And he goes, call me back and said, sure. Yeah. And then I did option four, and then one day he called me to do IATA with him. As a guest. And that and was it. That was it, and then he stayed as guest for the whole run of the show. Yes. And then he started um, an audio website. Yep, so, I started a website with a podcast, and we did that for three so, years. So for he, three years, I said, Dave, come on board. Yeah, and for no. three years, Dave said, I'm not coming on board. It wasn't quite like that. And but then finally... I called you up, and I go... I'm on board. I go... It's like the Jericho Cruise. He came on board. No, I, it's it's like one day, it was the, the night, the Anderson Silva, Dan Henderson fight. It was UFC related. Yes, Anderson Silva fought Dan Henderson. And I was sitting there, and I was so exhausted. And I sat down to write a story when I was writing for Yahoo. Sure. It's like my brain was fried. I couldn't write. And it's like, I can't go on like this. I can't do these daily updates seven days a week. If I do it four <laughs> days a week and Brian does it three days a week, things would be so much better. And then we, we, we basically merged. And what a fantastic decision that was. That seriously changed both our lives, really. Yeah, yep. I mean, it was a great, that was of all the business decisions I've ever made in my life. That was like the greatest by far. And I had people arguing with me about it. Like, you know, I, I knew it was going to be good, but it's it's three times as good as I, well, two times as good as I expected. <laughs> Not three, two. Two times. Two times correct multiple. Yes. Two times there. as good as I expected. Yes. Well, you guys are in the unique position of being content creators that are in an entertainment-oriented field. And I'm somebody who comes from the music business, and everybody in music is kind of shaking at the idea of, well, Spotify changed everything, and downloading changed everything, and now the merchandise and the publishing revenues where all the money is and the meeting rates and all that. Are you guys optimistic about the future, or scared about the future, or both when it comes to earning a living from wrestling and MMA-related coverage? I'm not I'm optimistic. I'm not that concerned now. There were periods where I was, but they always turned out to be wrong when, because I, I remember people telling me in 95, it's like, you know, because of the internet, you got about three years left. And then the <laughs> other one was when WWE Network started, and it was just like, everyone's going to watch WWE Network and stop subscribing because that's going to be their service. And Brian actually was the one. And I, I knew that we would be fine, 
but Brian was the one who said that we're going to grow, you know, great because of this, and essentially we did. Yeah. Although that wasn't the only reason, but that was one of the reasons. So far, we've been very lucky in the sense that um, as new technologies, whether it's Twitter or YouTube or whatever, have come on, it's it's all in the long run been a benefit to us. At some point, you know, things will change, but hopefully, we'll adapt because everything's different. Like if I just did the newsletter and nothing else now, I'd be done. You know, because it, the newsletter alone couldn't have done it anymore. The, the world changed, but we changed with it, so it worked out okay. And is there anything that you see that you can do to grow the business, or do you just like what you're doing and keep to hold on to it? Behind the scenes, at least, Dave. Dave. He's along for the ride in a lot of these things, but yeah. we're always looking for what, whatever is new that we can implement. Uh, we were very late on on video, but that was because the podcasting and everything—it was just like, that's all we did. Right. But you know, people were always asking about video, and, and I, I never saw why anybody would care to watch a podcast. But we so we started moving into video. And, you know, there's always some sort of new technology that's going to make doing what we do. Like, five years ago, there's no way we're doing anything on this boat. Right. But now, yeah, yeah. you know, we've done shows every day on this boat. They're already on the internet, even though there is no internet here. I somehow got them on the internet. Yeah, trying to so, text my wife right now, no luck. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, you know, I, I, I'm always trying to find what's, what can we do technologically so that we can do what we're doing easier, better, uh, on, a, on a boat. Yeah, more effectively, whatever. So there's always something new coming out, and I'm, you know, we're all trying to stay on top of that, so that you know, someday your podcast is downloaded to your brain. I'm going to be right on top of the best way to get it into your brain. Absolutely. So looking at where we are right here and the future and all that, one of the things that I absolutely love about you guys is that you're now totally accepted by the industry as a whole. Not totally. Um, you don't think so? No, well, well, no, we're accepted. Accepted. But okay, you accepted. on an AW cruise right now with yes. WWE Hall of Famers on it. Well, they, I don't know if they're supposed to be here. <laughs> they're here. No, I mean, we're, we're definitely accepted far more than before. Yeah. But it's not put this way. I mean, I, I, I would say, I would say this, with the exception of probably WWE and New Japan. Um, everyone else now, I think, is probably equal to the level of, of where UFC was. Whereas before, yes. I would say UFC was so far above everybody in pro wrestling and so far ahead. Now, I think, like if it's if it's Ring of Honor or if it's um, AEW for sure, um, yeah, I mean, it's no problem. It's, it's just like UFC. Like, it's not really sports, but all of these other wrestling organizations besides New Japan and WWE, I mean, they run everything like a sport. Like, we're, we're here covering this event and so we're given coverage like we're covering the Olympics or whatever mm -hmm. whereas with WWE you know if I'm gonna cover WWE I buy my own ticket actually I can I can get no. comps. I can get comps now no 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 and, 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 and I have said this WWE is much better than it was but the one difference is is and I will so the difference is with WWE is there's still when it comes to um, Control of talent, access to talent. Right. They're still very different from everyone else. And New, yes. ja and New Japan is, is is that way too. Yes. You know, whereas with like an AEW, nothing's an issue. With Ring of Honor, nothing would be an issue. They'll bend over backwards for us. Impact so. is very easy as well. Impact, Impact yeah. MLW is great. Yeah. Oh, MLW and Impact would be easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're no problem. Yeah. I, I'm surprised that you guys also have the trouble getting the WWE talent. I thought that it's once you reach a certain echelon of viewership that everyone says, hey, come on in. Well, but the WWE, 
And I, if you want I, me to I, cut I think, this off the record, that's no, no, fine. No, no, there's no. nothing off the record. No, WWE, I think there's still a stigma, and it's not... Like, it, it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it changed in the next year, but I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't. But it's just... To me, the WWE, a lot of it is just, like, remnants of the past. That's and, all it is. And, you know, because because the president actually, actually it makes no sense whatsoever. But it's still remnants of the past, and it's Vince, you know. Um, and, but it's all it's all of them. It's like they have a certain way of doing things where they don't have to be as friendly to us. But I mean, they're not unfriendly. And it's like I text people and email people there constantly, all the time, and they're fine. I mean, it's not it's it's much better than it was ten years ago. But it's still not not at the UFC level, or not at the, you know not the level that some of the other companies are. Okay, so being mindful of your time here and ending on a positive damn note here. Things are good for you guys. Things are going to continue to be good. Hopefully we'll see you on the third Jericho Cruise. But as two people who forge your own paths and have jobs that most people wish that they had, especially wrestling fans. Not Monday night at <laughs> People don't know. I don't think people realize that, like, how, how, hard it is. how hard it is. I mean, you got to realize. I mean, you know. I mean, and both, both of us. I mean, it's like, it's like... You know, we're, Monday night was 12.30, then Brian, you know, Brian just had a daughter, so then it became one, yep. you know, and it's not the easiest thing in the world, but, I mean, the one thing I'll say for Brian, and it goes both ways, is that, like, we're very cognizant of the other person's life, and, you know, if, if there's something, we'll, we'll rearrange it as much as we can to, to make it work. If it's going to be later, fine. If it has to be earlier, we do our best, you know. But and, it will still get done. But, yeah, it always gets done. Well, I think that, um, I mean, it's going to sound stupid, but... We're very, very, very cognizant of our readership and listenership. I mean, I mean, so much. Like when people out here say stuff. I mean, we we're not like take this stuff for granted. I mean, it's really important to us. And I, I'm like when I'm writing, I'm like very cognizant of the readers, and I'm very driven. Mm -hmm. You know, to, to give them the best product I possibly can without dropping, without killing over, so to speak. So that said, as two guys that are entrepreneurs in the digital age. Any last words for the kids? The kids. The kids. Depends on the kids. I also oh, this is so so this is what I would say is read as much as you can. Read, I mean, and not just wrestling, but learn, learn history, learn as much as you can. The more you read, the more you know, the better the edge you'll have. If you try to fake your way through it, you may get some lucky breaks, but in the end you'll the, the, the smart people will know that and, and know that you're um, Anything to add to that, Brian? No, just whatever, whatever it is that you want to do, just do the best you can, and work, work harder than everybody else, and try to be the best at it. Even if you're not, try every day to be the best at it, and that's it. Outrocast. Next up is my interview with Frankie Kazarian. Not only has Frankie worked with just about every major wrestling company of the last 15 years, but he's also an accomplished musician. Beyond being one-third of former AEW Tag Team Champions SCU, Frankie is the bassist in the band Gutter Candy. I spoke with Frankie right after wrapping up my chat with the band Rubik's Cube, which you'll hear later in this podcast. Hopefully we'll be seeing Gutter Candy performing live on the next Jericho Cruise, but in the meantime, Frankie also holds the distinction of being the only wrestler besides Chris Jericho to have played music on the first and second Jericho Cruises. Everyone knows your world-famous wrestler. A lot of people who are big fans of you as a wrestler know that you're a musician. When did you start playing versus being a, uh, a wrestler and training to be a wrestler? I actually started playing bass guitar before I 
became a wrestler before I began training pro wrestling. I got my first bass guitar when I was 17, 18, right after graduating high school. And um, my grandfather had given it to me, and I basically taught myself how to play. And became, uh, you know, started playing it for a couple years and started to get okay, decent at it. And then uh, moved to Massachusetts to train to become a wrestler. And uh, as I got busier wrestling, bass guitar was first thing to kind of take the back seat. I always played it, but you know, it would be a lot longer increments of time between when I play it. Um, but I always did play it. Uh, so, and that was almost 22 years ago now. So now, fast forward a couple, couple, several years ago, five, six, seven years ago, me and some other buddies who had always been musicians started jamming and I ended up, dry, you know, started playing a lot more and more in the, in the free time I had and ended up joining two bands and was kind of right back into the music scene. And, uh, now it's kind of it's kind of something I could do on the side that I'm very passionate about. It's not pro wrestling, but very relatable to pro wrestling. So yeah, I'm trying to enjoy the best of both worlds. You know, Chris Chris Jericho set the bar pretty high in terms of being a top-notch wrestler and top-notch musician, which he is both of those. Mm -hmm. So I'm just uh, yeah, I'm like the JV version of, of Jericho. He's <laughs> trying to keep it alive. And then. What were the gateway artists that made you want to pick up a guitar in the first place? 100% Guns N' Roses was my gateway band into the world of rock and heavy metal. And I was I was raised in a family where I was always listening to music. My dad constantly was playing the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and Jethro Tull and Frank Zappa. My mom was listening to Elvis and Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, and Patsy Cline. And just so I had you know all rock and country and classic rock, even some blues and. So as I got older, fifth grade, I discovered Guns N' Roses and never looked back. And through Guns N' Roses, a friend of mine, who was a young metalhead at the time, introduced me to Metallica. Metallica is my favorite band ever. And so through Metallica, I discovered their back catalog. I discovered a lot of really Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden and Blue Oyster Cult, Judas Priest, and just you name it. And, and the whole you know new wave of British heavy metal. And just uh, that that was so. 100% Guns N' Roses were my gateway gateway band into the world of rock and metal. Now, I'm a big Chinese democracy guy. Are you? I'm, I'm, I'm a Chinese democracy guy. I won't say I'm a big Chinese democracy guy. It was, uh, I enjoyed the record. Um, I, as a Guns N' Roses loyalist, was very much looking forward to it. and was kind of bummed that we had to wait that long. But uh, I really enjoyed it. And actually, I got to see them a couple years ago. And the fact that they play a couple of the, a couple of the songs from that album was really cool to see, like, Slash and Duff playing those songs. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I don't think it was the success it should have been or could have mm -hmm. been, but uh, yeah. And then it seems to me like 75% of wrestlers who are into music love the Misfits. Are you in that camp too? Uh, I'm a Danzig. I'm more of a Danzig guy than I am a Misfits guy. I, I really got into Danzig and Rollins Band in high school. And, Rollins and, Band. Uh, yes. The Wait album? One, one of my all-time favorite is The Wait album. Um, so yeah, so I was, and I kind of went into the back catalog of Misfit stuff through Glenn Danzig, but I actually preferred Danzig stuff and Sam Hain stuff. And um, yeah, I, for my high school, I was Rollins Band and Danzig were two of my absolute favorites. So, so yeah, I'm maybe a novice Misfits guy, but I uh, enjoy some of their stuff. But yeah, I'm more of a Danzig guy, just more of a that's straightforward metal as opposed to kind of like the punk. Sure, and then bring it back to you here. Gutter Candy, I know, is your band. What's coming up for you in 2020 on the musical end? Well, we got uh, we usually play a couple local gigs every month. We actually got a gig coming up at the Whiskey in uh, oh, Hollywood, which is yeah. a world famous venue. We're playing there. 
We're opening for a band called Metalachi, which if you ever heard yes. of them, it's yes, the metal heavy, mariachi heavy, band. Heavy metal mariachi band. Yeah. They're, they're, we've played with those guys before, and they're great musicians. They're great showmen, great entertainers. So we're opening up for them at the Whiskey, which is kind of a bucket list thing for me, being an old rock and roll and metalhead. Getting to play at that venue is cool. So, uh, you know, we try we try to play as often as we can. My schedule dictates a lot of that. I'm very busy, and mm-hmm. you know, so we actually can't do as many gigs as I would like to, just because pro wrestling is what pays my bills, and that's my first love. But uh, we're, we're trying to get out there and gig as much as we can. We got we're working on uh, putting uh, a proper like album out with eight songs, originals. We do play originals as well. So hopefully, we'll get a lot more of that accomplishes here. And do you have any endorsements, or is that something that's in the works? Nothing yet. I mean, uh, certainly something we'd all be open to. Um, certainly something I would be open to as a bass player that plays Schechter basses, and I've been. In I see a uh, Guild bass right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, I'm here in the Artist Lounge. Yeah, playing this Guild very this very nice Guild acoustic bass. <laughs> if you're listening, representatives from Guild. We'll tag them in the social yeah, media. I, I really love the tone of this acoustic bass you're playing. I would happily play it on stage live with gutter candy. Uh, yeah, so, you know, that's just, uh, we're, we're very much just, right. you know, we're still a, a bar band. We're just a, a rock and roll band. You'll see it at a, at a club or a dive bar. But, you know, we love it. We have fun. Uh, we played some sizable gigs, but we're just, we're having fun. I'm trying to, you know, use the little uh, celebrity I have to help get those guys organized because they're all great musicians and guys that have worked really hard you know trying to make music something more than just a hobby we saw you on the cruise last year yeah how does this cruise compare to last year and any highlights from this one uh, this one is uh, you know what I think the, the fans are even more laid back um, I know a lot of wrestlers and musicians had trepidations that fans would be mobbing them and that's not the case at all you know, they're kind of, we're all just passengers on this thing. And since there's a lot of repeat cruise goers, you know, a lot of people just saw us last year, so it's almost like we're old hat. So it's just kind of, you know. Um, what stood out for me is uh, obviously taping Dynamite Live from from the cruise was really right. cool. Um, you know, uh, band-wise, uh, I saw this band Rubik's Cube last night, who I'm, I just saw you talking to, were just outstanding. Mm-hmm. So good. And before that, the night before, I watched Killer Queens, which is the all-female Queen tribute. They were great, yeah. Dynamite. Very good, very good. And then Jericho has played two, so far, two great shows. And he pulled Marco Stunt up there and sang Sunglasses <laughs> at Night. So for me, it's, you know, the wrestling's one thing. But for me, I, I like to come in this and, and take in the music. I get to see wrestling live every week. Yeah. I get to see the best wrestling in the world live every week. It's not every week I get to see a, a, a Fozzie concert. Right. Or I get to see, like last year, a, a Corey Taylor acoustic set. That or was great. Or Killer Queens or Rubik's Cube or, you know, or uh, Light the Torch, you know. Like it's, uh, you know, like... It's or really kickaxe. Cool. Or kickaxe. Yeah, and I haven't seen kickaxe yet, so I, mean, I gotta, I gotta remedy that. So, Tonight, so for midnight. me, yeah, for me, the highlight is, yeah, watching Jer- Jericho's cover set last night, and um, just, just discovering new music and making new friends, making new friends in, uh, in the music world is always cool too. So, in closing, Frankie, any last words for the kids? The kids, um, yes, don't become a pro wrestler or a musician. <laughs> Do every other thing on earth except for those two things. Uh, no, uh, for the kids, I'm going to assume you mean the fans that have supported us. That without you guys, there would be no me, both in the music world and the wrestling world. And keep uh, keep pro wrestling alive and keep listening to music in its purest form. Even if you just listen to it digital, just keep listening to music because uh, music is uh, my life's blood, and I know there's a lot of people out there that like that. So please keep buying physical music, too, because that's also very important to musicians and artists to uh, generate revenue from that. And uh, thanks for supporting any way you have. Next up is part of my quick chat with Hall of Fame wrestler and DDPY founder, Diamond Dallas Page. 
Last month, DDPY made a surprise return to the wrestling ring and wrestled a farewell match in AEW. This means that DDP technically wrestled matches in the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, 2000s, 2010s, and 2020s. We actually taped this one on the top deck of the ship while DDP was watching MJF wrestle a match. The Lexi he referred to in our chat is Lexi Nair from the AEW Control Center, who you will also hear on this podcast. Has there been a highlight for you on this cruise? There's one particular highlight because I think that uh, it was super well-rounded from you know the matches that they've been able to put out there, the reaction I got from the people. Uh, when we did uh, the um, Jericho NWO. Uh, I'd say that was probably one of my highlights. Uh, a special highlight was being our Bishop sharing a couple bottles of wine. That, uh, <laughs> we haven't done that in a decade. You know, where we just sat around and hung out, and then go and do the podcast with him right after. You know, actually uh, the next day. So um, just read. Getting with, um, with people you haven't seen in a while, you know, it was, uh, it was super good. And I, and I, and I love listening to Jericho, the band, and all the guys that they've been in here. So there was one particular, just one highlight. Uh, one of the best things is something that you can't put yet, which is about Lexi and what happened for her on this trip. You know, so to me, that's the highlight. And, and yeah. then and, and then bringing it back to you here, the only wrestler who wrestled in the 70s, 80s, 90s, aughts, 10s, and 20s, technically. Anything to say about that? That was a special moment last uh, Wednesday, um, being able to get out there. And my main thing is not to get hurt. <laughs> yeah. That's the main thing. So everything is for it to look as good as it can look. And for the gotten the reaction that it's gotten, where people talked about it for a straight week, and... To be able to, you know, to look like I never missed a step, you know, that was super special. And that's the last thing I ever do. Awesome. Oh, that was beautiful. But my first day in professional wrestling, I was working as a manager with the AWA. And I was managing Bad Company. We did four matches with the AWA in, uh, oh, uh, in the um, Showboat Arena. In, in Las Vegas. In Las Vegas, which was off the strip and was a dump. But that's where the AWA would have like 1,000, 2,500 people. Uh-oh, MJF is interrupting us yet again. Fuck <laughs> uh, And on the fourth match, we're going against the Guerreros. <laughs> we're going against the Guerreros. And Pat and Paul were on the floor. And I was going over to help him up. And Mondo came off the top rope. And I was like, what the fuck? I had never seen that before. So that's day fucking of the 80 and 89, 88. Ladies and gentlemen, five decades later, I'm going off the top. Full circle. Please. Outro cast.
Next up is my interview with four members of the band Rubik's Cube. Rubik's Cube is simply one of the best 80s tribute bands I've ever seen, if not the best. But there's so much more to the story than their greatness as performers. For starters, guitarist Steve Brown and bassist PJ Farley were in the band Trickster. And drummer Joey Casado was in the band ZO2, which starred in the TV show Z-Rock. It also doesn't hurt that Steve Brown has played live shows as a member of Def Leppard, or that PJ Farley was in Lita Ford's band for years. I spoke with Steve Brown, PJ Farley, and singers Sherry Martirana and Scott Lovelady in the Artist Lounge of the Ship, not only about Rubik's Cube, but also how they wound up on the Rock and Wrestling Rager. How did you guys first connect with Chris in the first place? Did you know this, some of the same people? Yeah, yeah, it came down to, first off, Chris is a huge Trickster fan from back in the day and uh, one of our biggest supporters, you know, and, and a huge fan of our second record, which, you know, is kind of a cult classic now. A lot of people <laughs> never heard it because it came out in the fall of 1992 when grunge had taken over and wiped out the whole 80s hard rock scene. And ironically, the name of the record was Here. Yeah, <laughs> Here. No, no one heard it. <laughs> but, uh, so fast forward in 2008 when we put the bands back together and started when we put Trickster back together uh, Eddie Trunk of course mm -hmm. who is another great friend of ours he's been like on the brother. podcast yes, yes he has he's a great guy our, our Jersey brother and um so he was doing something with Chris, and we had, you know, I, I met, we met Chris at Nam a couple times, but never spent any time, and we just wound up. So Chris was doing Eddie's show, and then afterwards, it was kind of like, hey man, I want to hang out with the Trickster guys, and we wound up going to TGIF Fridays in Hasbro Heights, New Jersey, and we had a great night. We had some drinks, and just it was like the beginning of you know the love fest that we have for each other and then that spurred on 10 years later that we have this group chat now with eric martin from this big it, yeah. okay. it was a huge part of it and it's really the truth of it is is that we talk to each other through that group text more than we talk to our best friends in the world our wives our <laughs> it's well, girlfriends it's it's, it's, it's just true and sad at the same time but it's so much fun Okay, savages mess up sometimes. Well, I too. think this is the so audience right here. You hear that we're actually on the cruise. Sorry about that, guys. It's still going on in the Sardis Theater, deck six and seven forward. Again, Wrestler Observer Live is happening at 345 in Sardis Theater. Bye, y'all. Um, but about about how Joey met him is a little over 10 years ago when Joey and our um, bass player David Z, rock and roll heaven forever with us, and Polly Z had their show Z Rock on the IFC channel. Yes. And yes. Chris Jericho was a guest star on that show, and they have been, they became fast friends, and that was over 10 years ago, and that's how those guys became buddies. And then it's just serendipitous, you know, that. Um, Six degrees of separation, basically. Yeah. It was inevitable. Yes. <laughs> and we were meant to text each other constantly and break each other's balls yes a lot of constantly. ball breaking well there there come you know there's one there's one thing that i always say and it's a, i say this to everybody you know all my guys and i say one thing he's one of us she's one of us you know when i joined rubik's cube i learned very early on that these people in this band very special people they're one of me one of my kind like pj and i've been playing together for 35 years mm -hmm. there's a bond a brotherhood and there's it's very hard to come into our circle first off without being able to take a lot of ball busting because that's what we do i mean we're jersey guys jersey, that's what we yes. do so when i joined rubik's it was the same thing because 
I immediately came in with this big personality, and they're an equally as big personality, Sherry, Scott, everybody, and all of us together, and now the fact that here we are on the Chris Jericho cruise, all of us together, Chris, Rubik's Cube, Trickster, Joey Casada and his nose. Yeah. Well, okay, just, there's the Jersey you know, ball bus. And, I and love when Joey plays with us because I'm not the nose anymore. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. TJ was always, yeah, the guy. Oh, who's that bass player? Got the blonde hair and the nose. nose. Yeah, but he gets back at him with the, you know, Joey gets back at him with the hair jokes because, you know, Joey has hair. Yeah. Right. Well, well, Scott hasn't gotten the chance to say anything. So kicking it to Scott. Who did you first know in this group? That's rare. That would have been Sherry. That would have been Sherry, who we uh, we met in karaoke, believe it or not, rock and roll karaoke in New York uh, back in the very specifically <laughs> not regular karaoke, R yes. live rock and roll live karaoke, rock and roll karaoke. the world famous Arlene's Groceries. Yes. Oh yeah, on the Lower every Monday side. night, yeah. Music City knows about that. went on and on for years. Yeah. I was in the band, like a co-host, backup singer. Scott was a regular, come down every week and bust out some Allison Chains. And, uh, really? It actually got me back into music, really. I had I had dipped out of it. I had disappeared for 10 years. I had walked away from it. It was like, well, I guess that was that. Was that. And I started coming down to that um, just uh, because I couldn't stay away. Or I just found it's one of those things Wait, where you find yourself... You just said, I stay away, and she said, Alice in Chains. Was that an Alice in Chains? Oh, there you go. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> See what you did there? I, I, I didn't, didn't know if you were doing it. that on purpose. He didn't. He catches them all. It's a happy accident. Uh, it's not just the jukebox directs that you have, but it's the encyclopedic knowledge that you've got. There. Well, you know, they, they don't pay me the big bucks for nothing here. So, <laughs> so you said that they Arlene's... Nothing? Is that what you said? Maybe, maybe not. That's not the point here. The point is, you did rediscovered music through doing karaoke yeah, at Arlene's it was, Grocery. Well, but it was one of those things I started finding out that I just couldn't not show up anymore. Was, even though I thought I'd left it behind, that I was like, okay, well, it's just not going to be part of my life anymore. I just kept finding myself, it turned into church. It turned into having to show up every you know, Monday night. It's Monday true. Night. Every week there's a loyal following of great musicians, some people who didn't sing at all except for when they were there and some people who you know were Broadway singers and mm -hmm. rock stars like you never knew who was gonna come in there it was from celebrities to you know the, the bank teller right. you know what I mean like it was just everybody and it was so organic and fun and special to see people just come in and unleash their inner rock star and I wasn't even in a, a, a band before that so that was like my first band so is, is this actually your first band besides the karaoke <laughs> no actually the band from there, uh, so Moby used to come in as mm -hmm. like a, a regular because he lived in the neighborhood. He had back teeny then. around the block. Or yes, something. exactly. He yeah. had the teeny, and uh, he would come in and play guitar, and um, not usually sing. He would bust out lead guitar on like Led Zeppelin tunes. Really? And one night said, "Hey, you want to sing a whole lot of love?" And I'll play guitar. And he came up, and of course, so we rocked out Led Zeppelin, and he had his drummer with him, Aaron Brooks. And uh, they talked to me after and they said, hey, we're doing this other project, this side project. Uh, it's a band called The Little Death. It's an all original rock and blues. We have uh, rock and blues. It's like uh, Janis Joplin and meets Etta James. And we have this lead singer powerhouse, Laura Dawn. And we need two backup singers because everything's three-part harmonies. We think you should come down and meet everyone. And I, at the time, I, I had a full-time job working for a board game company. So I was like, oh, well, like I'm not like a, like a professional singer. And they're like, well, okay, we come here every week. We don't know what you're doing, but we call that singing. So why don't you come down and meet the band and, and audition? And so I did, and then I was in the band, and that was my first band. 
And my first gig was like after I got the gig six days later in Los Angeles. I was on a plane with Moby and Laura and, and Aaron the, and Darren, the whole band, and uh, we were uh, rocking out. So wow. So a year after that, we started Rubik's Cube. So. And Rubik's Cube is it's been eight years or ten years? More, thirteen. It'll be thirteen this spring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and PJ, were you in the band before Steve? No. The opposite, actually. Yeah. Steve, in like four or five years before I, I joined. Yeah, right? yeah. I joined the band my first show. I'm coming up on any day now, the seven year anniversary. So I joined in February. First show was February of 2013. I actually joined the band on November 9th, 2012, the day my daughter Jade was born. The day she yeah, was born. This is a great story. <laughs> Go, tell, tell him. Good. Oh, yeah. I call him because we were looking for um, a new uh, guitar player. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we had done a gig with Trickster over the summer and it was this uh, gig it was us Trickster Firehouse and Warrant and we saw Trickster and they, they were the best band of the day and they just crushed it and I remember looking at Steve-O playing I go that's the guitar player we need to have in Rubik's Cube and I said it to Eric our tour manager and he goes yeah right dream on and I go well I can dream a few months later um, we were in need of our lead guitar player, and uh, I said, I'm going to call Steve Brown. Everyone's like, okay, good luck with that. And I go, well, I'm, I'm, it can't hurt. Right. If he doesn't want to do it, maybe he'll recommend us to somebody, you know? So he call, I call him, and we talk, and he's like, you know, this sounds pretty cool. You guys, I've seen you guys. You guys are all kick-ass. This could be good. This could be good. Yeah. And he seemed, Not kick-ass. He seemed... Kick <laughs> that's right. Okay. Not kick-ass. Right. This could kiss, kick... By the way, those guys do kick-ass. They, they are kick fantastic, ass. yes. Wow. Thank you to Chris Jericho for introducing yes. us to those guys. Great guys, they, Yeah, great guys. And, uh, yeah, so, I, so he was seemed into it. And um, we're talking about, you know, different things about the band or whatever for about 35, 40 minutes. And I hang up. I call the guys. I'm like, he's... He's, he's interested, and this is great. Everyone's like, no way. Everyone's excited. So Eric, our tour manager, is on. he looks up uh, the Facebook page. He goes, I'm looking at Steve-O uh, on, online right now on the Trickster page. And, and the band's saying congratulations to Steve and his family and his wife, Cosette. They, they had a baby today. And I go, not today, today. I just got off the phone with them. He didn't say anything. I call him back. I'm like, hey, did you just have a baby? And he goes, oh, yeah, this morning. Yeah, we had a baby. I'm like, wow, I just, I just talked yeah, to you for 40 challenge. minutes. That was this morning, though. He goes, well, I was so excited about talking to you about joining a Rubik's Cube. I forgot to mention I had a baby this morning, so it was pretty funny. Well, I go, he's a maniac. He's perfect for us already, yeah, I can yeah, tell. Yeah. There you go. Just being the consummate professional. And no matter what, it's being professional musician for all you kids out there no matter what the circumstance is you if somebody calls you regarding a gig or an opportunity no matter where you are and thank God nowadays where I got I just got a text the other day for the other day for a gig and it's like hey man you gotta you gotta make the phone call and you gotta make it happen no matter where you are and that's what I did and seven years later and you know how many trips around the world wow. we're going to Singapore in April yeah. okay so, I mean this is just an incredible thing and you know we've been it's just an incredible band and so much fun and, and great people. We didn't just get a better guitar player by like a million times better, but and better looking and of course, but funnier and uh, also like he said, a member of our, our family because we do. It is a, it is definitely a family. Oh yeah, I yeah. learned that within the first month of being in this band, and you know we are certainly uh, the band family that we are. And, uh, and again, you know when you spend, we do all spend 
more time with each other a lot of times than we do with our own families. I mean, right. PJ and I have spent more time together than we have with our families. Our, you know, for right. sure. Right, 30 something years. Yeah, sure. and the, the, the parallel we can draw is because like Trickster was such a tight band because we grew up together. Yeah. Right. It was like, so getting into a band like this where it's that similar kind of camaraderie mm -hmm. was very easy transition. It's totally. a Jersey yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, Jersey, New York, and just being good people. I mean, yeah. we all come, we're good family people, and that's the way we treat, we treat our bands as if we're family, and we are, you know, and that's that's really what resonates, and no matter what, you know, not to say that we don't get on each other's nerves at times, <laughs> right. but the, at the end of the day, we're all able to have a laugh and give us a hug and a kiss, and it's all good, no matter what the problems are. And It's kind of like know. the Brady Bunch, too, like two families came together. Like, once I joined <laughs> the band, go. it was yeah, like... Yeah. You know, yeah, we completed the. So who's cube. Alice? The, the cube, <laughs> the Brady Cube. Who's I think Alice? Eric. George. Eric, George. Oh, George. Eric. George. 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 Alice. <laughs> okay, he's neutral. So, yeah. hope he's gonna love that. People who read up on Steve know that he's a notebook guy. He does everything by the notebook. Who else? You do the same thing yeah. as well, Sherry. Big note, note taker, and list. I like crossing lists and using a pen and writing stuff. Yeah. So, how many songs would you estimate are in your rotation or playlist of Rubik's Cube? A couple hundred. You know, every show is at least 24 songs, sometimes more. And there's some staples we always keep in the show. And then there's a good, like, I would say 10 or sometimes more that we switch around, depending on where we are, or the demographic, or, you know. If it's a private party, sometimes the client requests more rock than pop, or sure. vice versa. So, yeah, we just, but like, we, we forget how many we know, and then we, we look at the list, and yeah, it's a few hundred. It's a lot. The interesting thing about the music that we're doing, though, is that whenever we get like requests for songs that we've never done, somehow we kind of already know them anyway, because a lot right. of the music that we do is stuff that's in our personal zeitgeist, that's in, our, I don't know, it's in the zeitgeist period, that, that we're, that, oh yeah, no, I've heard that song for so many years that I kind of know how it goes. Yeah. Way, even if I, right. I used oh, yeah, to play it. That song, yeah. like, I don't think I've ever actually sung this song out loud, but somehow right. I know it anyway. It's like a lot of the times I'll be like, oh, I used to play that with, you know, my other cover band, or I used to play that with the karaoke band, or, you know, and but we just never played it together, and then we all get together and rock it out. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, the difference also is, is that we, we're not late, we're, we're not, how do I say this? The best way to say it. We lived it. We lived it. We, we we're grew, not young. We grew up. We grew up in the '80s. We were there. We were there before MTV. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, I was there the day MTV got turned on. Right. In Paramus, New Jersey. You right. Know, when I saw a video killed the radio star. So which, we lived which you closed some of the shows with. Well, of course. That's so there you always, go. Always. And that's you know that's the big difference that it's not only that we're just doing this as a band and we're going to make money and be an 80s band because there's a ton of those. Right. You know, and we've all played with people who like, you know, they've heard these songs and they go, they play in bands and they've never heard this st the style of music before. You know, because we don't just do the 80s hard rock. We do every facet right. of the 80s. There was some Michael Jackson and Billy Idol and... Yeah, to say the least, that you guys are versatile. Cover it all. You cover all the damn bases here. Yeah, so a tribute to the whole decade. Damn good tribute. So two quick questions, and you are free to enjoy the rest of the Chris Jericho cruise. And we're enjoying oh, it right now. Oh, we man. Oh, love this. Oh, you we love talking about you ourselves. You don't think we like <laughs> yeah. to talk? Yeah. No, we want Try to talk stop more. Us. Talking about ourselves. Try is the and best, stop us. Well, you know. 
what can we say here? <laughs> well, the first question of the two is, for each of you, has there been a highlight of this cruise? Besides, you know, rocking everyone's faces off. <laughs> well, I mean, last night when when um, Rich Ward of Fozzy and Chris Jericho joined us, that was pretty fun. And, you know, not just because, you know, Chris is the star of the cruise, but because, man, did you see his outfit? He was dressed like me. He was so yes. into it. I mean, like, he just, and Rich, they just had, we had so much damn fun with those guys. And it's an exchange of energy that cannot be faked. It cannot yes. be produced. And some people think they can just put on an 80s costume and sing 80s covers, and they're going to go out and be successful as us and, you know, get all these big pain geeks. But it's not like that. You know, you got to really love it, and you got to, you know, let yourself go. And, man, those guys, they're like badass rockers, but they were jumping around like Rich was playing Footloose with us and looking, oh, yeah. just like we're just having a great time. Like that was really, really fun. But before I find out everyone else's highlight, is Rich Ward always smiling that much all the time, or do you just bring that much out of him? Uh, I mean, the guy does smile a lot. He does. I think he's yeah. a pretty, but I think he was smiling extra hard. He had extra permagrin yeah, last yeah, night. Yeah. He's always he smiling really when he's did. doing what he does. Yeah. You know, so. And he was jumping around and loving it. Like, and, okay. yeah. And afterwards, he was just like, damn, that was great. And it was, you could feel it on stage. Yeah. That's, permagrin. That's why, like, people say to us, why does it look, or how does it look like you guys are always having fun? And I said, because we are. Like, yeah. we're always having fun. And we have just that gel together we look at each other and make eye contact and just yeah. we just do it's yeah. real it's as real as it gets yeah. it's real uh, so any highlights that you guys can think of Steve got kissed by a sea lion uh, I assume you mean in the Nassau Bahamas region okay yeah. I don't have one particular incident this is my first cruise ever ever so I'm like drinking it all in literally for the first time <laughs> Uh, and figuratively, but uh, yeah, I, I'm enjoying. I'm celebrating the whole thing. And Scott, anything? As far as the cruise itself, I mean, like personally, when we get to wander around in the Bahamas in some weird areas, which were really fun. But that's sort of like you know, you're talking about a vacation type thing. There's always there's always going to be something that you're going to. It's not going to mean anything to anybody else. It's going to be some weird experience that you have. Um, doesn't answer your question at all. But the, Good job. The, the, because <laughs> it the, does. The cruise itself, I mean, I think the highlight was the moment that I sort of have that realization on stage about what I'm doing. There's always that moment when you're like just trying to get a show up. And it's like, in, particularly when you're doing something strange or unusual, like this is somewhat unusual for us to be doing an outdoor show on a moving ship. And the logistics of that and then like gale force winds and all of that, you're just trying to get it done. Right. But then you have that moment right in the middle of the show where suddenly you're paying, it's like, I'm doing this. I'm doing this thing here that I, it's an amazing thing to be able to do, period. Yeah. I so wanna, that happened for me, so about, I would say, during Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to add, too, like, being on this cruise, um, I really don't know that much about wrestling. Um, you know, to me, I, I know some, you know, wrestling from the 80s. Everything I know is, you know, Hulk Hogan and Captain Lou Albano and like, right. all those guys. It was cool to see Jake the Snake. I, I was yeah. like, I know him. Yeah. I'm a star. I don't really Rick, know. Rick Flair. And, 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 of course, aside from our friend Chris Jericho, like, I'm not a wrestler expert or like know that much about it yeah. and on this cruise I have been thoroughly entertained by the whole thing and like just just seeing the matches live and 
just seeing entertaining. Seeing the uh, speaking of wrestling crazy people, there's a there's the Iron Messiah right there of the USWF over there. Sherry's uncle. You don't need a mic. He's all the way across the ship, everyone, but you can still hear him. Anyway, um, no, but like like getting to watch a real match and being in the whole culture of this wrestling world for sure. the first time, I I didn't know what it was gonna be like, and I've been having a really great time. And the fans are fun and such great people from all around the world like just sweet fun wonderful people and it's been it's been an, uh, a great a great time and Steve kind of touched on this before I usually wrap every interview with saying any last words for the kids any last words for the kids anything to add into this one keep wearing spandex <laughs> yeah, okay and no underwear some people, some people say spandex doesn't pay, but it really does. <laughs> Especially Here with no underwear. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, see? Thanks. Thanks see so much go. for having us, man. Next up is a quick interview with Lexi Nair. Fans of AEW should recognize her from her work in the AEW Control Center. And followers of Diamond Dallas Page's DDPY, they'll probably recognize Lexi from her work as a DDPY instructor. Keep an eye out for Lexi on more AEW programming and also DDPY programming in the future. What has been the highlight of your cruise so far? Honestly, the highlight of the cruise so far, for me at least, was seeing Marco do his guest appearance on stage with Bozzy. He, that was amazing watching him just take over the stage. Uh, he's a friend of mine as well, so of course I am a little biased, but it was, it was incredible, it was awesome. And is it going to be hard for you to get acclimated once you get home in, in uh, beautiful Georgia? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm a little nervous for when I get back home, um, but honestly, I I'm ready for the boat rocking to be over. Right. And is there anything in the world that you could compare this cruise to? Considering this is my first cruise, absolutely not. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I don't know. I guess... I have no idea what I would, what I would, it would be comparable to. Um, like in general, what, what would it be comparable to? Sure. Is it like any vacation in the world? No, it's it's nothing like any vacation in the world. I mean, you're constantly busy. There's there's something going on, whether it's wrestling, music, or comedy, um, or just like it's super interactive, and you make so many friends on this cruise. And it's what's awesome because it brings everybody back for next year. So I'll be here next year. Okay. See you in the AEW Control Center. <laughs> Thank you. Outro. <laughs> Last, but definitely not least, is my interview with Kick-Axe drummer Brian Gilstrom and Kick-Axe guitarist Larry Gilstrom. Kick-Axe was reportedly Chris Jericho's favorite band in high school, and he let that be known throughout the cruise, performing with its members on more than one occasion. In the last hours of the cruise, I approached Brian and Larry for a quick interview, and they kindly agreed. Here's our chat, and hopefully the great reception Kick-Axe received will lead the group to doing more touring in the near future. For you guys, what was the highlight of the cruise? Uh, probably fighting Chris Jericho last night. It was, pretty, it was a lot of fun. I don't know if that was a highlight or a low light, but... Uh, no, it was a lot of fun. It was all good times, you know. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And what a beautiful human being that guy is, you know. He really is the guy. You know, he actually is that nice. Yeah. yeah. So for me, the highlight was the first show in the atrium and Chris coming up and singing Road to Rock with us. Yes. 
It was so much fun. Exceptional and singer, too. Because it was the first yeah. show, we still had tons of energy. Right. And, uh, you got a four-day cruise by the time you're at the end, you're like you're running out. But uh, you know, it was like one full fucking uh, day. There was no sleeping. Well, it's just been one constant party for four days, you know. I'm going to sleep when I get back to Vancouver. And I would imagine <laughs> that this is the first cruise that Kickaxe has played? It is. And Chris wants me to go up and wrestle him again tonight, so it's almost I, two o'clock and I gotta go up and wrestle him again. I thought amazing on this cruise is that every single person on this yeah. cruise is an awesome person. Yeah, what is just like that? Well, well the, said, there is no dickheads on this boat. No, everybody. The wrestling so heavy metal overlap is pretty exceptional. You have to say. Yeah, there's no. It is. It, is. it feels like it just fits. So, so will there eventually be a Kickaxe documentary of some sort? Probably eventually. Oh, another thing, the crews, like like Mike here, uh, the whole crew, so professional on this boat. It's just unbelievable. Uh, the first night we said, hey, we, we want to keep you guys. And I said, don't worry about it. We're all well, good. What everywhere. we want to do is we want to do another, like at least like five, six song kind of EP with Danny, because Danny has not actually sang any on any recording with us right yet. and yeah. he's been in the band for 10 fucking years right he's so good yeah <laughs> and i love the guy he's uh, like he's our brother. he's our brother we gotta we gotta have something set in stone with him and, and i love how uh, adaptable covers were that green man alicia tonight you did a Truck zeppelin yeah. a zeppelin deep cut uh the night before four sticks yeah, you did four That's sticks. That's the hardest song. You did not play with four drumsticks, but it's okay. It's forgivable. Oh yeah, that'd be a bitch. That'd be a bitch. I don't think there's a reason why Led Zeppelin never plays that song live. They well, did it, they that did it they once. Expanded. I heard they played it once and they fucked it up, so they never played it again. In closing, any last words for the kids? The kids? Come the on kids? back next year. Come on, let's go. We're, we're gonna be, be back a, here. Keep being a kid. I'm still a kid. Don't ever grow don't up. Don't ever grow don't up. Grow up. If you grow up. You'll get gray hair, <laughs> fucking wrinkles, and you'll die. Don't grow Don't. up. Don't grow up. Just fucking keep having fun. Outrocast. Thanks for listening to the Paltrocast with Darren Paltrowitz, as produced by PureGrainAudio.com. Theme song by Steve Schiltz. Audio mix by Mark Pirro. Until next time, have a great Shabbos.